Well, good morning, everyone. I'm John Schmidt. I'm the senior pastor here at Centerpoint Fellowship Church, and we are so glad that you're with us for this installment in our series out of the book of Exodus, the second book of the Bible. Today, on Mother's Day, we are going to be talking about three men in the account of Exodus that played a pretty, some pretty important roles. Their names were Bezalel, Oholiab, and Jethro. And so inside your bulletin, you'll find an outline just like this one. If you need a pen to fill in the blanks as we go along, please raise your hand for one. And you might be thinking already going, okay, I got to see how you're going to talk about Bezalel, Oholiab, and Jethro on Mother's Day. I mean, that's just not going to be possible. But it is possible to make a very direct correlation, and and here it is. There's not a mother in the world that doesn't want their kids to reach their fullest potential. There's not a mom I know that goes, wow, I hope my kid grows up to be a slacker. I hope my son and daughter don't amount to anything. Never. Or I hope my son and daughter just sit on the sidelines and let everybody else do everything important. I don't want my kids to be anything. I've never met a mom that says that. Well, long before that desire was ever placed in a mother's heart, that desire was in the heart of God because God is the one who made moms and gave them that desire. Now, if you want to hear a story about people reaching their fullest potential and you want to meet some people in the account of Exodus who did exactly that, then you're at the right place this morning. God wants you and me to reach our fullest potential. He's gifted every single one of us with abilities and talents, and he wants us to put them to use. For his glory. That's a desire of your mom. And long before it was that, it was a desire of our Heavenly Father. Would you pray with me, please? Heavenly Father, I pray that today you'll speak and move me out of the way and teach us some clear applications from the lives of Bezalel, Oholiab, and Jethro. Thank you for your word, Lord. It's our guide in all matters of faith and practice. And Lord, we want to practice our faith by putting into practice the gifts and abilities and talents you've given us. Challenge us today. Encourage us today, Lord. Let us leave here today with a clear understanding of who you've called us to be. In the name of Christ we pray. Amen. So again, if you need a pen, raise your hand. We're jumping in on point one. God gave Moses skilled craftsmen to build Israel's tabernacle. Tabernacle. Most of you are going, tabernacle? What the world is a tabernacle? Tabernacle is a portable temple. It's the easiest way I can tell you. Uh, The children of Israel had been rescued from slavery. They'd been enslaved to the Egyptians for hundreds of years. God sent a mighty leader, Moses, to rescue them through a series of miraculous plagues. The Egyptians were convinced that was a good idea. And they let the Israelites go. As they crossed, they came to the Red Sea. The Red Sea was parted. The Israelites crossed on dry ground. The Egyptians chased after them with their chariots. The water closed in on them. They were drowned. The Israelites were on the other side, and they eventually ended up at the base of Mount Sinai, where they camped for about two years. During that time, God gave them the Ten Commandments, and he gave them instructions through Moses of how they were to worship him. And God was very specific about this. And he wanted them to build a temple, a portable temple, that would be in the middle of their camp, a place where people could come and pray, where they could offer sacrifices for their sins, when they could worship the Lord. And so Moses received these instructions. They were highly detailed, and um, God spelled out in all these instructions what kind of incense was to be burned, what kind of oil was to be used, the exact dimensions of lampstands, the exact dimensions of the tabernacle itself, what materials it was to be made of, even the dimensions of a special box to keep the Ten Commandments, the tablets with the Ten Commandments recorded on them, the Ark of the Covenant, the dimensions and the exact 
uh, layout of that box, the Ark of the Covenant. Everything was spelled out. And if you and I had been with Moses, this was over a period of a month and a half, and Moses was taking notes on all of this. You can read all about it. If you read through Exodus yourself, you can read everything that Moses recorded there about all these things. There would have been a question that would have come up in my mind as well as yours. Well, Lord, how am I going to make all that? But God had already had this all covered. In fact, that's where we're jumping in today in Exodus chapter 31. Moses has received the Ten Commandments plus lots of instructions about how to build the tabernacle. And here's what the Lord tells him. Then the Lord said to Moses, look, I have specifically chosen Bezalel of the tribe of Judah, and I have filled him with the spirit of God, giving him great wisdom, ability, and expertise in all kinds of crafts. He is a master craftsman, expert in working with gold and silver and bronze. He's skilled at engraving, mounting gemstones, carving wood. He's a master at every craft. And I have personally appointed Oholiab of the tribe of Dan to be his assistant. Moreover, I've given special skill to all the gifted craftsmen so they can make all the things I've commanded you to make. And if you could underline that last sentence, please, so they can make all the things that I've commanded you to make. There's a note in your outline that's very important for us here. God will equip us for the tasks to which he calls us. God will equip us for the tasks to which he calls us. God called Moses to build a portable temple. What kind of incense to offer? Even the recipe for the incense. How to create the anointing oil. How much of it to use. Exactly when. The containers to put it in. Containers for water for the priests to wash their hands. The exact specification for the clothes the priests were to wear. It was all spelled out for him. And he said, Moses, this is the way I want you to do it. Better than that, I've equipped some people already. They're already in your camp. Bezalel and Aholiab already in the company of the people, right down at the base of the mountain, and they'll make everything that I've told you to make. That isn't just a promise for Moses. It's a promise for all of us. God will equip us for everything he calls us to do. Show you a couple of New Testament references. These are only a couple. There's more. Hebrews 13, 20. Now may the God of peace equip you with all you need for doing his will. Underline it. All you need for doing his will. God will equip you too. He'll equip me. If he calls us to do something, he'll equip us to do it. May he produce in you, through the power of Jesus Christ, every good thing that's pleasing to him. Here's another reference, Philippians 2.13. God is working in you. He's giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases him. You may have heard it in, an older, in a, another translation that says, to will and to work according to his good pleasure. He gives us the will to do it and then the power to work. If God's calling you to do something, do not shrink back. You may have come here this morning and God is calling out to you. It's time to deal with that addiction. You've never been able to overcome it on your own before. And maybe today's the day you realize, hey, I'm going to need the Lord's help on that. And the Lord says, bring it to me. I'll give you the power. I'll give you the desire to change and I'll give you the power to do it if you'll surrender it to me. Maybe God's calling you to take a step out in faith to forgive someone who hurt you a lot. You've been nursing a grudge against this person for 15 years. And maybe today is the day you finally get that monkey off your back. Finally, you're able to let it go. I can't let it go. It hurt me too bad. Well, no, you can't do it on your own, but with the Lord's help, you can. Because the Lord wants you to be free of bitterness. And if he's calling you to let go, let go. He'll give you the strength. He'll give you the right resources you need to be able to do so. Maybe God's calling you to be a leader in this church to step up to be a small group leader, maybe to go on a mission trip. People say, I 
I'd love to go on a mission trip, but I just can't afford it. I don't know if I could do it. I've never done anything like that in my life. And they go, well, why don't, and then they come in and talk and we say, well, why don't we pray about it? Why don't you send out a letter to some friends, see if they'll support you. They send out a letter and one of their relatives writes back, I've been praying for years that God will allow you to do something like this. Here, I'll pay for it in full. And they'll go, this is amazing. And it is. But I can tell you stories like that over and over again. Why? Because God will equip us for tasks to which he calls us. The only question is, will we be willing to trust him and step out and become the people he wants us to be? If I can tell you that's God's desire for you and I to reach our fullest potential. And so many times we stop ourselves and we go, well, I can't do that. Well, of course you can't, not without God's power. Moses had no way in the world of building that tabernacle by himself. But God said, I already got people lined up for you, Moses. Bezalel, he's a master craftsman. Aholiab's going to help him. Plus, I got lots of other craftsmen here. Go get it done. Now, there's another life application for you and me on this, and that's that God has gifted people among us with the wisdom and skills we need to build our church. We started this church three and a half years ago. Started in a home here in Prattville. When I got involved, I was meeting downstairs in one room downstairs. And I remember when we started this church, I even had somebody, a good friend of mine, ask me, where are you going to get the leaders to do everything that you're nece- that's necessary to put this church together? I said, well, I'm not going to get the leaders. I said, well, where are they going to come from? I said, well, God's going to provide them. It's his church. I'm just in sales. Okay, that's all. I'm not the owner. I mean, that's true. I don't have to figure it all out. What I have to do is I have to ask the Lord and say, God, who do you want in charge of this? And would you put that on their heart as well as mine? God had already prepared Bezalel and Aholiab. They had been slaves in Egypt. Now they were set free. Who knows what kind of crafts their masters had them working on. They may have even been working on these things for their taskmasters who drove them and pushed them and made them become expert in what they were doing never dreaming of the day that they'd be able to use it for God's glory. But now they're at the base of Mount Sinai, and they're the perfect men for the job. God's bringing some of you right into our midst right now to be a part of this church, to help this church become all that God wants it to be. Or if you're visiting from out of town, he's got plans for you, the church that you're a part of, wherever you came from. Because that's the way God builds up his church. Paul wrote about this in his letter to the Romans. He said, look, in his grace... God has given us different gifts for doing certain things well. So if God's given you the ability to prophesy, speak out with as much faith as God has given you. If your gift is serving others, serve them well. If you're a teacher, teach well. If your gift is to encourage others, be encouraging. If it's giving, give generously. If God has given you leadership ability, take the responsibility seriously. And if you have the gift for showing kindness to others, then do it gladly. We have a need of all these things here at this church. People to lead people to serve, people to give, people to be kind. If you've got that gift of showing kindness to others, would you please volunteer to be a greeter? We do not want surly greeters on Sunday morning. What are you doing here? Okay, that's not the idea. But we need people who can do all sorts of things at this church. And God's brought people here. And as we put this church together, we needed people to stand out in that field and help people find a place to park. And we had people step and go, I'll do that. We didn't have to twist their arm. They've done a great job at it. We have people that take all these pieces of paper every week and they stuff them in bulletins. They come in on Friday mornings. And it's 
wonderful. I get a chance to go be with them sometimes. They have a great time. And this is, they're serving the Lord. And they're helping us all have all the right notes at all the right times. There are people in the, running the technical things right now so that uh, we can be on the screen. We can have the words on the screen. So the image can be sent downstairs to our unplugged service right now and to Pike Road, who met earlier today. I mean, all kinds of things are going on here. Some people have the gift of singing. Other people are small group leaders. Other people are mission trip leaders. And we have mission trips going out this summer. God's calling all kinds of different people. And you ask me, where did all these people come from? Well, I don't know. God brought them here. Other times people will say, well, how come you didn't start that ministry up two years ago? Well, because the person who's running it wasn't here two years ago. Now they're here, and now we can start. Oh, So what you're saying is, it's like this amazing intellect that holds the universe together, cares enough about your church to organize that too. That's exactly what I'm saying. That's precisely what I'm saying. And if God has brought you to be a part of this fellowship, do not believe for a second he brought you to stand on the sidelines and watch other people do everything. He wants you to play too. And that brings me to the next point in your outline. I want you to note that everyone who was willing and eager to get involved in building the tabernacle got involved. That's what the Bible says. It wasn't just Bezalel and Aholiab. Everybody got a chance to play. All the women who were skilled in sewing and spinning prepared blue and purple and scarlet thread and fine linen cloth. God had asked Moses to use those things in building that portable temple. All the women who were willing, they used their skills to spin the goat hair into yarn for the priestly garments. The leaders brought onyx stones, special gemstones to be put in the ephod and the priest's chest piece. They also brought spices and olive oil for the light, the anointing oil, the fragrant incense. So the people of Israel, every man and woman, underline this, every man and woman who was eager to help in the work of the Lord that had given them through Moses, brought their gifts and gave them freely to the Lord. The life application for you and me is this. God wants everyone who's willing and eager to help to get involved in building his church. Are you willing and eager to help? Well, come on. We need you. I mean, God has plans for all of us to work together. Oh, but John, I mean, I don't know. I mean, I can't, I don't have a seminary degree. I can't stand up and teach or preach or whatever it is you do on Sunday mornings. I can't sing like Shelley. I can't do those things. And this is a big objection. I hear it all the time. I want you to know that's a common objection that existed even in Bible times. Here's what Paul wrote about it in 1 Corinthians 12. He said, The human body has many parts, not just one or two, but the many parts make up one whole body. So it is with the body of Christ. If the ear says, Well, I'm not a part of the body because I'm not an eye, would that make it any less a part of the body? If the whole body were an eye, how would you hear? Or if your whole body were an ear, how would you smell anything? But our bodies have many parts. And God has put each part where he wants it. Please underline that as well. He's put each part where he wants it. There are people downstairs in the nursery right now changing diapers. And believe me, that's where I want them too. Okay, I'm grateful they're there. And if you have little ones, you're grateful they're there. You know what's crazy about all this? We have people called to that and say, I want to take care of those little ones. They love being a part of taking care of those little ones while you're here. They love praying with them, praying over them. Children's church, things going on down there. Teaching them Bible verses and singing songs to Jesus. With people, this is the greatest joy in their hearts. 
each part exactly where it's supposed to be. What's your part? Hmm. All of you together are Christ's body and each of you is a part of it. On this Mother's Day, can I make an appeal to you? Your mom would want you to make the most of your involvement here. That desire that's in your mom's heart is a desire that came from God's heart. Now, I will tell you one thing that we don't want here, and this is kind of funny because it was 15 or 20 years ago, I was visiting California. My sister, my oldest sister, lives there in Los Angeles, and she and her husband were attending at the time Chuck Swindoll's church. You, you may have heard of him. Chuck Swindoll is a well-known Christian speaker, pastor. Um, he was the president of Dallas Theological Seminary for a while. And I, when I was visiting them on one Sunday, uh, he was going through a series. He was teaching a series on people using their spiritual gifts and everybody getting involved in the church. And he had the most hilarious story, but it was very pertinent to this because he was saying that the week before he'd been talking about people using their gifts. And they need to discover how, where God wanted them to play inside of his church, inside of the church that he was pastoring. And he said afterward, a woman came up to him and had asked him a question he never heard before. She said, well, I'm not sure where to use my gift. He said, well, what's yours? And she said, well, I, have, I believe I have the spiritual gift of criticism. And he said, well, what's that? And he goes, well, I'm really good at pointing out what other people are doing wrong. Where do I use that? And he said, you give that one back, okay? <laughs> we don't need that. Hey, do you know what we don't need? We don't need people coming in, folding their arms on Sunday morning going, hey, this isn't right. That isn't right. Those people aren't doing what they should. This isn't even spelled correctly on this unless you and I are willing to get involved and fix it. You want to come here and point out all the things that aren't being done? Let me give you a different idea. If God has placed it on your heart, some things that need to be done that aren't being done, maybe God brought you here to be the part of the body so we could now do it correctly. I have no desire to hear from anyone how things are all going wrong, and I'm just here to point it out, not to fix anything, because that's not the way it works. I do want to know if things aren't being done rightly. But then I'd also love for you to say, hey, I want to pray with you. I want to help solve that. What's your part? How has God gifted you? The people who just could spin yarn made a difference in the tabernacle. The people who can say hello or stuff a bulletin or help with youth camp this summer you never have any idea, you and I will never have any idea till we get to heaven how much difference that might make in somebody else's life. And I just want to challenge you today. Are you reaching God's fullest potential? Are you willing and eager to be a part of what he's doing? If so, come on. We need you. Not only were good workers and skilled craftsmen necessary, additional leadership was also necessary. And if you flip your outline over, I want, you, I want to introduce you to Jethro. Jethro was Moses' father-in-law, and he gave him some advice that impacted Moses as a leader as much as anything he'd ever heard. And that brings us to point two. God gave Moses capable, honest people to help him lead. Point one was God had given Moses skilled craftsmen to help build the tabernacle. Point two, God gave Moses capable, honest people to help him lead. Jethro, Moses' father-in-law, now came to visit Moses, this is from Exodus 18, in the wilderness. He brought Moses' wife and two sons with him, and they arrived while Moses and the people were camped near the mountain of God. The next day, Moses took his seat to hear the people's disputes against each other. They waited before him from morning till evening. 
And when Moses' father-in-law saw all that Moses was doing for all the people, he asked, what are you really accomplishing here? Why are you trying to do all this alone, Moses? Well, everyone else stands around you from morning till evening. I mean, if you have ever stood in a long line waiting to get your license plate renewed or something like that, and you're going, man, somebody needs to fix something here. I'm number 37. I'm going to be here forever. Well, multiply that times 100, maybe 1,000. And then you go, ooh, this is a bad situation. People waiting in line all day and then having to come back the next day because Moses hadn't gotten to them yet. Hmm. Well, Moses replied to his father-in-law, because the people come to me and get a ruling from God. That's why I do this. When When a dispute arises, they come to me. I'm the one who settles the case between the quarreling parties. I inform the people of God's decrees and give them his instructions. This is not good, Moses' father-in-law exclaimed. You're going to wear yourself out and the people too. Would you underline that also? You're going to wear yourself out and the people too. Some of you, God brought you here today because this is a word you need to hear. This isn't true just for Moses and the Israelites. It isn't true just for people who go to church. This is true in any organization. could be true at your office. You might be working for a boss who micromanages, watches over everything, has to make every decision, and is always frustrated because everybody's standing around. Why is everybody standing around? Because you're the bottleneck. Or maybe you're here and you're the bottleneck. And everybody's standing around looking at you. And maybe God wanted you to hear this today as a challenge and as a reminder. God's put capable people around you too. Are you willing to let them lead? Are you willing to let them grow? Because if you and I try to handle everything ourselves, we're going to wear ourselves out and just frustrate the stew out of everybody else. It's not a good way to live. And Jethro pointed this out to Moses. And so he said, now listen to me. Let me give you a word of advice and may God be with you. You should continue to be the people's representative before God, bringing their disputes to him. Teach them God's decrees. Give them his instructions. Show them how to conduct their lives. But here's the difference. But select from all the people some capable, honest men. You can underline that too. And we'll get to that in a second. Who fear God and hate bribes. Appoint them as leaders over groups of 1,000, 150, and 10. They should always be available to solve the people's common disputes, but have them bring the major cases to you. Let the leaders decide the smaller matters themselves. Then they will help you carry the load, making the task easier for you. If you follow this advice, and if God commands you to do so, you'll be able to endure the pressures, and all these people will go home in peace. Here's a life application. Good delegation multiplies our effectiveness and gives others the opportunity to grow. This is true in the government. It's true in business. It's true in the church. It's true in your family and in mine. If you and I learn to delegate, it multiplies our effectiveness. It doesn't diminish it. And this transformed Moses' life. Here he was spending all day long trying to do everything himself. But I'm the guy that God speaks to. Well, I know that, Moses. I mean, the hardest stuff, yeah, you got to do it. But what, there's nobody else who can figure out some of these other things? Come on, Moses. And you and I can make the same kind of excuses. Well, I do it better than anybody else. Well, I hope so. You've been there longest. But there's nobody with the skills to do even half of this? You can't delegate any of this? Well, yeah, but it probably wouldn't be done quite as well as I'd do it. Well, maybe not at first, but maybe if you delegated some things, it could even be done better because you could be focusing on some other things you've never been able to get around to. 
Good delegation multiplies effectiveness and gives others the opportunity to grow. In the early church, this was a problem. It's a problem in Israel when they're at Mount Sinai. It's a problem in Jerusalem when the church was first started. Pentecost Sunday had happened. 3,000 believers were added in one day. The church was growing rapidly. People coming to Christ and have people talk to me and go, man, I would have loved to have been part of the early church. Well, I would have too, but it wasn't all peaches and cream. There were problems. And there was a bottleneck here too. This is from Acts chapter 6. As the believers rapidly multiplied, there were rumblings of discontent. There were Greek-speaking believers who complained. They said their widows were being discriminated against in the daily distribution of food. Here in Prattville, we support the Ataga Interfaith Care Center. We did a food drive just a few weeks ago okay, to distribute food for people who need food. Well, this was the Jerusalem Care Center. Okay? That's what was going on here. And they were saying there wasn't enough, the food wasn't being distributed rightly. So the 12, that's the 12 disciples, called a meeting of believers. And they said, Look, we apostles should spend our time teaching the word of God, not running a food program. And so, brothers, here's what we recommend. Select seven men who are well-respected and full of the Holy Spirit and wisdom. Now you know why up top Moses was supposed to select honest, capable people. Same thing. Men who are filled with the Spirit and wisdom. Honest, capable people. We'll give them this responsibility. Then we apostles can spend our time in prayer and teaching the word. Well, everyone liked this idea, and they chose the following. Stephen, a man full of faith in the Holy Spirit. Philip, Procurus, Nicanor, Timon, Parmenas, and Nicholas of Antioch, an earlier convert to the Jewish faith. These seven were presented to the apostles who prayed for them, and as they laid their hands on them. So God's message continued to spread, and the number of believers greatly increased in Jerusalem, and many of the Jewish priests were converted too. And you took the bottleneck out. Woo! The ministry grew. The apostles were right. Hey, this isn't our job to administer a food program. Let's let somebody else do it. But good delegation to honest, capable people filled with wisdom and the Spirit of God allowed the church to do amazing things, and it also did amazing things within those people. Stephen, the first guy on the list, he not only administered the food program, that's where he started out as a volunteer, he became the first Christian martyr I was able to testify in front of the most vehement and angry people you can imagine. But he told them about Jesus, and it greatly impacted the life of the Apostle Paul, the guy who wrote most of the New Testament. Philip, the next guy on the list, started out in the food program, administering that as one of those seven, ended up being a tremendous missionary to the Samaritan people. I don't know what God has in store for you. I don't know what your top end is. But if you and I would each get involved where we can and where God is calling us now with some things we can do, it opens the doors for God to do even more. And there's another life application I want to be clear on here. God has called center points pastors and leaders to equip God's people to do his work. We're not going to repeat the mistake of Moses and have one or two people be bottlenecks for everything here and just say, hey, all those decisions got to go through them. We're going to trust that God is bringing up godly people all over the place. He's brought talented, skilled people like Bezalel and Aholiab all around us right now. He's brought honest and capable people who can make decisions. We can hand them off. And that's our job description. 
Paul wrote about this in his letter to the Ephesians. Now, these are the gifts that Christ gave to the church, the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors and teachers. Here's my job description. Their responsibility is to equip God's people to do his work and build up the church, the body of Christ. Their responsibility is not to do it all themselves and listen to everybody else's complaints. Their job is to equip people to do the work. God has given you abilities and talents. God wants you to grow. I want you to grow. Our elders want you to grow. And the best way we know how to do that is to help give you work to do that's meaningful and satisfying. We'll pray with you if you don't know what, where to go on that. And God's raising up people all around us. Now, I want you to know, uh, I want you to hear from um, Tom Gaylord. Tom is uh, uh, right now leading our unplugged service downstairs. But he started out in a very different capacity. I mean, he's, he's the venue pastor down there and doing a great job, but he started out as a greeter here. And I want you to understand how this ties together with what we've been talking about today. And if you'd watch the screens, please. Hi, my name is Tom Gaylord and I'm the venue pastor for the Unplugged service here at Centerpoint in Prattville. My family and I first started coming to Centerpoint, uh, it was actually Christmas Eve in 2009, I remember it real well, and Centerpoint was looking for, for uh, volunteers. And one of the areas that they were looking for volunteers was as a greeter. I love people, I love getting out and, and having the opportunity to brighten people's lives and, and to meet new people, so I signed up to be a greeter and, and loved it. All through this, I, I had a great time. Not only was I, I serving at the church, but I was starting to find myself growing and growing spiritually. I found that my relationship with Christ was getting stronger and stronger each day. Hi, I'm Scott Shumpert. I'm the site pastor here at Centerpoint Crapple. And uh, there was an opportunity where we needed a new greeter coordinator. The greeter coordinator we had uh, was an elder and did a lot of other activities. And he said, I have got the guy for you. And it was pretty obvious that he had recognized Tom Gaylord as the person who had put his heart into greeting. He's faithful at being there each time. So we approached Tom about being our new coordinator. When they asked me to be greeter coordinator, uh, first of all, I was honored. Uh, it, was, it was really nice to know that uh, somebody was recognizing something that I really truly enjoyed and thought that I could take on more responsibility. Uh, in the midst of doing all this volunteer work, um, God was also working in other ways in my life. Uh, actually, he was really putting uh, a dissatisfaction in my life, and I recognized that I was trying to do things for myself, and that I really probably wasn't following what God's plan was in my life. So I really actively began to seek out what God's plan for my life was. Tom came to us looking for direction. As we talked, it was pretty obvious that God had a call on his life. And we asked him, have you ever considered the ministry? And then we invited him to be a part of our site pastor training. Honestly, being a site pastor wasn't even something that I had considered. Uh, but the more I thought about it, the more I went and prayed about it, the more apparent it became that God had been preparing me for this for all my life. Uh, and now I'm so excited. Uh, I can't wait to see what God is going to do in my life and where he's going to take me next. That's not just Tom's story. That's our story. I mean, God had been preparing Bezalel and Oholiab their whole lives. So that when the need came to build the tabernacle, there they were. God had been raising up good, capable, honest people who could help Moses lead. The only question is, 
when Moses led them. There were good and faithful people in the church in Jerusalem. They could handle the food program. In fact, they could handle a lot more than that. The food program was just the intro step. What about you and me? God's got plans for us too. Are we willing and eager to participate? One last note is this. Godly leaders are pretty easy to identify. Tom was pretty easy to identify. In fact, when Jesus was describing how God will respond to people on the judgment day, the end of history, rewarding those who've been faithful, here's what he'll say. Well done, my good and faithful servant. You've been faithful in handling this small amount, so now I'll give you many more responsibilities. I have no idea where everything would end up. When I first talked to Tom, didn't have any idea at first. We just knew we needed somebody to coordinate greeters, and he'd, done, he'd been very faithful doing that, was doing a good job, was able to train other people to do it. Well, that turned into a step that led to another, and now he's answering a call to be trained as a pastor. We want each of you to have the opportunity to go as far as God wants. And inside your bulletin, I want you to look at one other thing real quickly. That's this. It's called the 2013 Ministry Opportunity List. We handed this out six months ago last fall. Many of you volunteered and are serving right now at places in the church this year. Well, there's seven months of 2013 left, more than seven months. And if you haven't found a place to serve yet, we'd love for you to read over job descriptions. Everything is in here from being a camera operator to be involved with setup or breakdown uh, to be in part of the Kids Central worship team. And if you'd read these over on the back of a Connect card every single week, there's a place where you could volunteer. And all you got to do is check the box and drop it in. White bucket on your way out. We'd love for every single person to participate. We want you to grow. We have no desire to run this on our own. You're needed. God has gifted you with abilities and talents, and we want to help you let them shine. Now, if you just have no idea how to make this work, well, if you're going to lunch with your mom or your grandmother today, ask them and say, what am I good at? They'll tell you. And if you want a really long lunch, ask them what else you need to work on, some things that you're not doing so well. They know those too. But for the sake of this discussion, if you ask them, hey, where would you see me serving? They could tell you. But the thing we want to stress the most is we want you to play. Now, If you want to talk to somebody, Tom came and talked to us, Scott, myself, others, we'd love to talk with you. We'd love to help you figure this out. Just call us. And it gives us an opportunity to grow. Bezalel and Oholiab were skilled people. God had prepared them with those skills all along, so at the right time, they were ready to go. God's been preparing you in ways you can't even imagine yet. Through some of your life experiences, through some of the opportunities you've had at work through some of the opportunities you haven't had at work and desire, maybe you can have them here. But will you be willing to come? Would you pray with me, please? Oh God, I thank you for the opportunity to learn from your word. And God, I just, these are practical applications. I thank you the Bible is filled with stories of real people. I thank you, Lord, that Jethro, Moses' father-in-law, gave him some advice that changed his life for the better. For everyone's, everyone was better off. And God, I pray that if this morning some of us here needed to hear that we need to delegate, I pray that we will listen to that. And we will look for honest and capable people at our workplace, in our families, in our organizations, where we can hand things off. We'll quit trying to do everything on our own. Father, there are probably some people here this morning 
They've never stepped out before. They've never volunteered for anything at a church. I pray, Lord, that you would stir up the desire, give them the desire and the power to do what pleases you. If you're willing for God to stretch you and help you grow, just in a moment of silence with your head bowed, would you say, Lord, if you give me the desire, Lord, you've put this desire in my heart already. If you give me the strength, I'll do it. Give me the power, Lord. I want to be all that you created me to be. Oh God, I thank you for our moms. I thank you that they believe in us and they're always cheering us on to reach our fullest potential. And Lord, I thank you that you're the one who put that desire in their hearts. I pray now, Lord, that you'd help us reach our potential. You'd help all the leaders of this church to help people in any way we can to do that. Thank you for Moses. Thank you for Jethro. Thank you for Bezalel and Aholiab. Thank you for the women who made thread and the other people who just made yarn. Help us to do our part. We pray these things in the name of Jesus. Amen.